Three, two, one, and we're back. Julie, welcome to January 24th. Yes, and this is the Sunday show. Warning! And, and as such, every Sunday we warn you this is not the normal Tim and Julie Harris real estate coaching podcast. This is essentially Julie and I defragging from the previous week and preparing for the following week. So our brains and what we want to talk about with you guys is generally not real estate focused because on the weekends, we intentionally try not to have real estate thoughts so that we can sort of allow new software to load over the weekend, but also give ourselves a break mentally and emotionally. And if you, you know, as real estate agents, when Julie and I sold real estate, I know that on the weekends is when you really better be dialing up your real estate brain, Mm -hmm. not be, you know, ratcheting it back. So maybe you intentionally have and what we did in our own real estate business is we would always try to have Monday as a day off. And I do remember very distinctly, by the way, Julie, <laughs> along those lines, yes. that every single, um, virtually every single spring and summer and fall day when we would work all weekend, because we mm-hmm. pretty much had to, because the number of houses sure. we were selling, 100 to 200 houses a year. Mm-hmm. And we always looked forward to having our Monday off. And then like every Monday it rained. I know. Like the weekend was perfect, right. beautiful weather, and on Monday it rained. Yes. Yeah. It always worked out that way, right? It did. I don't know. It was like a whole, I remember that very distinctly. You'd wake up and you'd be like, well, of course it's sleeting or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. So eventually, I think we switched to Fridays off eventually. I think we did. Well, so um, we don't have any particular agenda. And I'm going to dust off the old Boy Scout saying, hope for the best and be prepared for the worst. (laughs) That is what today's podcast is. It's hoping for the best but being prepared for the worst. So I did write something down, a few thoughts down actually that I wanted to share with all of you guys. Uh, We get a lot of emails, a lot of people, you know, messaging us through different social stuff. And guys, if you want to message Julia or I, text us directly because we're not going to be very good at checking messages and all those other things. We do have staff that check those messages, but when you guys send us more messages of a more personal nature and one of our staff get a hold of it, they don't, they're thinking that they're trying to help you discover or, you know, learn something or find something on our website or something like that. So if you want to send us something personal, which a lot of you do, which I really appreciate, um, just text us. Text me directly, 512-758-0206. And I actually might read you some of those messages, not including those people's names today, if uh, we feel motivated. Yes. But one of the things I've been hearing a lot of uh, you say to us, and I know it's it's because we did a series of podcasts on, the, uh, what was it, Julie, 20 steps or 20 things you should do if you're a newer returning agent. Was yeah, it 20 points? Yeah, newer, newer. I, I think I it was 20. I how many it was, yeah. but it was enough to work on, certainly. Right. That was last week. And a lot of you were listening to that, obviously, and we appreciated the feedback, a lot of great feedback, because we kept everything very practical and tactical in our usual no BS fashion. But one of the things I kept on hearing through your comments and questions were you were asking us why weren't we really, you know, focusing on the words like passion and things like that. Now, you guys weren't asking questions that were directly like that. But what you were really asking is, you know, do I have to have passion to be successful? And we've talked about that so many times (laughs) that I just wonder sometimes how many times you have to hear this before you actually understand what we're saying is probably a mindset about the word passion that you should adopt yourself. And so I'm going to say it, and then Julie and I are going to talk about it. And I want you to really open your mind to it. First of all, I know everyone you listen to, every TED Talk you've ever ever watched, every book you ever read, every supposed self-proclaiming guru on any place and anywhere you ever go, they all are going to tell you that you need to be passionate to be successful. They're going to tell you you need to be passionate in order to you know make money. They're going to tell you to follow your passions and the money will follow. Now, I'm not going to say those things are 100% bullshit, those those thoughts, but they're probably pretty damn near bullshit. And here's why. Because passion is an emotion. 
And if you're going to predicate your future and what you're going to accomplish in life based on emotions, and emotions are ever-changing. They change constantly. They're just essentially, you know, chemistry in your body. It changes whether, you know, just everything. Like I just said a, a bad word, right? And maybe that word's triggering some emotion in you. And maybe you were feeling one way a second ago, and now you're feeling a different way. Or maybe you're hungry. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you didn't get enough sleep last night. Maybe your kid's screaming in the background. All your emotions are constantly changing who knows how frequently they're changing. And the word passion or feeling passion is not something that we're designed to feel that frequently. It's supposed to be an infrequent emotion. And that's generally speaking what it is. And so if you think that you're supposed to feel passionate to be successful at the, uh, at something, um, that's what I really want to talk about with Julie. So Julie, what were your thoughts on this? Well, I think there's two things. One is, because I knew you were going to, to maybe discuss this a little bit today. I've been thinking about it. Um, one of the things I think that contributes to this is it's easier to be passionate about something you're already good at. So like for me, and I talk about this in the Harris Rules book and a little bit in the treasure map. Oh, Julie just threw okay. in a commercial. Have you guys gotten, <laughs> have you guys gotten? Inadvertently. <laughs> Inadvertently. I yeah. She always wants me to do the pitching, but she teased me up. Long-term listeners know that. <laughs> so Harris Rules, well, you don't think I know you do that? Mm-hmm. Harris Rules, of course, continues to be a bestseller on Amazon. Make sure you guys get this book. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, every leading bookseller. Um, you know, it's on Audible. It's it, one of these things that Julie and I are truly proud of. And if you're looking for a, a complete solution, A to Z, as far as what you should be doing in your real estate business, and you're asking me for advice, and you're texting and asking Julie and I, and or any of our coaches, you know, we have 14 coaches, here's the answer, read Harris Rules. Yes. And then if there's any mental, if there's any learning gaps in the, um, you know, in between w- with your mind, then you sign up for coaching. But you can sign up for coaching while you're reading Harris Rules, and obviously things will settle into your brain, and you'll have more direction quicker. So definitely get the book. We wrote the book for all of you. We wrote the book to give you an end-all, be-all answer on how do I build a successful, long-term, sustainable real estate practice. It's on, again, everywhere. You can find the book everywhere. It's called Harris Rules. Over It's like 430 or 445 star reviews. So, yes. Yes. Okay. So I talk about this in various uh, places. But, you know, as a kid growing up, I always took music lessons. And it's easy to be. So my point, I think, is it's easier to be passionate about something you are already good at that you've already done your time with, that you've already made the effort, okay? Because it just, it ends up being easier, right? You have some level of conscious competence. And so related to that, it's easy then to believe that if you don't have that about something else, whether that's business or real estate or whatever you're working on, that maybe you're not going to be so good at it, right? Hmm. And and because it, you know, and this is, I think sometimes it's actually worse for people like me that have had a passion about something else, Okay, because you actually know how much effort and discipline and work it takes to be good at something. And so you kind of know what you're signing up for. I'm not sure we're saying the same thing, actually. I'm saying that's that's one part of it is it's easier to be passionate about something that you're good at just because well, it's easier. Right. Okay? But the passion, well, carry this forward. Yes. Okay. Sorry. So the other part of this is that, you know, there's a lot of people out there like what you were saying at the top of the podcast that will tell you you know, do what you're passionate about and the money will follow. Well, that's not always true. If that were true for me, I'd be like, you know, musicians ought to be gajillionaires, right? So just doing what you're passionate at, the money does not always follow. That's not always true. And it took me, for real estate, it took me seeing somebody who was also passionate about, several actually influencers to me, that were passionate about all kinds of other stuff, but also were extremely good 
at running very successful real estate practices. So I had to see that it's not either or, that by pursuing something that you're not passionate about doesn't mean that you throw your original passion in the trash can. You know, it's the expansion of your mind and not getting stuck in a rut. So drill down on that. So I was never passionate about selling real estate. Never. No, me neither. Yeah. It was a job, basically. Yes. Now but I, we were passionate about what it was able to do for us. Right. We were passionate about the results we got from selling real estate. Mm-hmm. There were certain certainly things about, for me personally, that I loved about selling real estate. I loved, you know, listing appointments. Me too. For Truthfully, that was it. I mean, that was the only thing I really liked. Well, we're both somewhat competitive. So I think we liked, um, you know, winning the trust of somebody that maybe wasn't baked in. Especially when you're competing. Absolutely. Especially when you're competing. And I still really enjoy that about seeing our coaching clients. Totally. I mean, when I'm on my coaching calls, all I want to hear is I want to basically get my little listing appointment, you know, hit from hearing about their appointments. Exactly. Yeah, well, living vicariously, I suppose. Right. But I mean, in real estate, when we sold real estate, everything else was just a grind, honestly. Well, yeah. I mean, like who wakes up and goes, I'm so passionate about doing that next CMA. But I wasn't passionate about listing appointments. So so I wasn't passionate about really any aspect of real estate Mm -hmm. ever. And that's okay. And that is what it was necessary. So again, if I had been waiting around to feel passionate about that and it never arrived or arrived in fleeting moments, that would have given me the perfect excuse to Mm -hmm. never actually be successful at it. That's right. And that's That's the danger. That's the point I'm trying to make. That's the danger in people using it as an excuse. And that is what it becomes. That I'm not taking action because, you know, I'm just not passionate about it. Right. So don't look for passion when it shows up. Um, you know, embrace it. But the reality of it is, is that if you're waiting for it to show up before you actually start doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level, like somehow that hit of passion is going to be your superpower. And that is in essence what it feels like, right? You know, and when it shows up, that's when I'm really going to basically move heaven and earth to basically make it so that I can, you know, do incredible things. It ain't ever going to happen or happen so infrequently. You know, some people you'll feel that in the form of an epiphany or, you know, whatever, right? You'll just be in a groove. You'll be in your zone. You read books about it, all this stuff. Guys, look, that's not reality. The reality of it is, is if you are the passion thing becomes an excuse to be a liberty gibbet and just go from one shiny object to the next. Because what's going to happen is the passion that you might feel towards some aspect of real estate will go away the second, basically, you start getting pushback on it. Mm-hmm. The second it becomes harder. The second it becomes more skill set based. The second you start experiencing rejection. In other words, the second you're actually being pushed to become a professional, that's when most people say, well, I'm not passionate about this anymore. Yeah. And I'm going to bounce to something else. And so I think that if you embrace the fact that just the word passion itself is so misused. Um, and here's where it really kind of pisses me off, to be honest with you. There are so many people out there that are these fake gurus and self-proclaimed coaches and all this, you know, Mickey Mouse that's out there in the marketplace right now. Yeah. And their whole business is predicated on a lie, a myth. It, it's yeah, insidious. We were talking to our friends Kevin and Meg about this yesterday, that there's so many people that want you to believe in that, you know, Somehow you can manufacture that passion right. and all the woo-woo stuff. Right. And we were, we were you know, kind of scoffing at that a little bit because it, it doesn't require a whole lot of action. But they hadn't intellectualized yeah. about it. They don't realize that there are so many people that are um, essentially these, you know, they're all over the damn place. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so entrepreneurs or would-be entrepreneurs, they get plugged into this idea that they need to read this book, hire this coach or do this whatever to find their passion. And guys, that's really, again, it's just yeah. a bunch of BS. That they got have to go work on something. Right. right? It's, it's procrastination yeah. from doing the real work. If you want to know how you actually can have 
momentum, which is what you're looking for. It's from doing effort and probably the very efforts that you're trying to avoid doing because you're searching for your passion and working on your mindset. Yes, but I and I I want to put a little icing on that cake though. That uh, it's not that we feel that passion is negative or that it's BS or anything like that. It's how you focus it, right? So you can be passionate about upgrading your mind. You can be right. passionate about having the best, most kick-ass listing presentation in your entire market. Have passion about that. Obsession is what you're Obsession. describing. I yeah. think. I think you're again. I don't think. They're related, I think the word yeah. passion for me, mm-hmm. if you looked up the definition of it, mm-hmm. it would basically be associated with the word love, right? Possibly. Yeah. Well, here. Yeah. I'll, I'll, no, I'll, I'm with you. I'll make it personal because the mm-hmm. listeners seem to like it when we talk personal. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we've been married for 30 years this year. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I would you say you've always felt passion for me for 30 years? Yes. Always, Absolutely. Always, well, like, always. I mean, there's exactly. been days. <laughs> well, but, but because it's an emotion, it, it's an ebb and flow. Exactly. That's true. And the nature of a relationship over 30 years, it's an ebb and flow. Sure. You're always in love, but the nature of the love is different, right? Mm-hmm. It, it just is. Sometimes Absolutely. it's easier. Sometimes it's harder. Sometimes it's just, you know, when you're trying to go through, just it's getting older. I mean, you yeah. and I were observing, really. Mm-hmm. I'd say it that way. But we're observing a lot of our new friends that we're meeting here in Puerto Rico who are younger than us by probably give or take 10 years. Yeah. And I remember what it's like to be in that late 30s, early 40s stage of mm-hmm. life. And there is a lot of stress in that age. Sure. Absolutely. From both male and female. Yep. Male Especially and female. when you have a bunch of little kids coming up right. or medium-sized kids coming up and yep. you've got your business growing. And you're probably financially on your way, but you haven't resolved it yet. So yeah. you're And you're probably... You know, still working through a lot of the, you know, familial aspects. Of, Lots of spinning plates. Yeah. And women, when they reach a certain age, I've sure. noticed this is very consistent. Obviously, mm-hmm. I've no, no, noticed it with you and I remember yep. it very clearly. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel like sort of divided between your sort of your your your, your paternal, maternal family and mm-hmm. your, your real family or your sure. immediate family. And mm-hmm. there's all this normal stuff that happens as people age. And it, look, it's different. The nature of a relationship and love is supposed to change. It's not like, you know, when we were kids and we met each other and, I, you know, I can manifest that feeling. Sure. But do you understand what yeah, I'm saying? I do. And so if people – so if they believe that every day, especially when you're married or a business is yeah. sort of like a relationship too, if they believe every day you're supposed to feel passion for No, the, it's very unrealistic. That is the definition of unrealistic expectations. But it's the destruction of potential too. Yeah. And that's the insidious part. So if I'd given up on you the first time, I didn't feel necessarily passion because we'd been mm-hmm. married and we were married when we were, you know, basically we were Kids. broke and we had to, you know, we <laughs> yeah. had to slay a lot of dragons together. Sure. There were some hard years. Absolutely. Yeah. And it wasn't the same as like before we got married and we had, you know, we're just rose colored glasses and the whole mm-hmm. thing. And when we were becoming adults and we were learning how to sell real estate and managing our money and, oh, there's a thing called taxes and all that crap. All that. Right. You know, and just all that stuff. And it took you and I a good probably solid 10 years before we actually thought all the sacrifices mm-hmm. that we'd made, um, you know, personally and professionally were actually paying off. I'd for agree a long that. for a long time, we mm-hmm. were jealous of all of our friends that j- decided to have normal lives mm-hmm. because they had normal vacations. They seemed to not work sure. as hard, have a lot less stress, mm-hmm. and we know that because we we're selling all of them houses. <laughs> this <laughs> is know? true, and we were working all the time. Yeah, and we had a lot of stress. There was a lot of sacrifice, figure, right? But I mean, if we'd given up at that point, because that is where most people would give up, sure, right? Then we wouldn't be where we are today. That's right, and that's, but that's what, hard to see when you're in it. Right. Well, this is the reason I wanted to talk. That's about the this. hardest thing to see when you're in the thick of it. Yeah. Right? And you know, we have coaching calls, we have texts, we have emails where where these guys will have gone through like a series of transactions and 
you know, maybe it wasn't the easiest thing. Maybe they had, you know, a lot of consternation and they, they get like, I think I've lost my passion right. you know, or something like that when, you know, no, you're just running a business. And the right. more people you help, the more different types of situations you're going to see. And this is part of your business maturity is to be able to handle a multitude. Like you were saying, you know, if we had given up when it got hard, you know, you're not going to get to where you set your goals. You what, just can't. One of the most important pieces of, I forget who originally said this, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, repetitious boredom pays off. Oh, yes. Repetitious boredom pays off. So the essence of that is, um, and I learned a lot as I began to really thought, think about what that actually meant. It meant that basically exactly what it said, right? Be okay being bored for long periods of time in your business. Um, and I remember when you and I started to internalize that, I then began to realize that there is an innate desire to sort of have, um, you know, thinking you need to create all this hype and need to create all these uh, essentially unnecessary stress sometimes in your mm-hmm. business. Whereas the reality of it is, is the best, most profitable businesses are, you know, they're boring. They're the most simple you can make it. Right. You know, we talk about this on the normal podcast about uh, agents and brokers overcomplicating their lead system, yep. you know, and like having double opt-in drip system that, you know, that someday maybe they'll call and, you know, I just have to have more people to get that 1%. No, you just call people who have their hand up. It's so, you know, Einstein said that you want to make your um, problems uh, whittled down into the most simple that you can, okay? The the solution is always the most simple answer you can come up with. Right. And you can use that in so many different places. You were talking about repetitious boredom pays off. We used the story of the um, the guys that were going to the South Pole last week on Thursday or Friday's podcast. And, you know, this was like a race to the South Pole, two different teams, and one of them was, you know, uh, hiking with the sled dogs and all that when he kind of felt like it and the weather was right and, it, you know, maybe felt a little more passionate about going to the South Pole that day. And the other one said, you know what, I'm just going to go 20 miles a day, every day, no matter what, doesn't matter what the weather is. And so who do you think won? It was the guy that had the discipline, in spite of the fact that he probably was hiking on days he didn't feel like it. So I want you, let's drill down on that. So mm-hmm. here's the thing. You do get, generally speaking, better results when you're feeling a certain heightened state of emotion. I agree with and that. let's call it passion. Yeah. So how do you, so our, you know, our trademark saying is if you want ever increasing levels of success, do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. But if you're somebody, and it's normal to be this, like this, who only operates at the highest level when you're feeling a heightened state of emotions, call it again, passion, that how do you actually create and how do you, uh, you know, do things at the highest level when you don't want to do them when you're not feeling that heightened emotional state? Yeah, you with that's me on a good that? question. You tracking? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to tell a story about a guy named, who you'll remember, Adam Contras. Yes. Remember? Yeah. How did you pull that out of your brain? Uh, because I learned this from him. Okay. So Adam uh, was a, he worked in Hollywood. He was, a, he actually has, a, well, I think, the long term, the longest vlog on YouTube. And he is a, he's just a multi-talented, I was always, frankly, and I still am shocked that he hasn't become a big celebrity. So skilled, great singing voice. It just wrote some hilarious skits. I do remember those. Yeah, yeah. Those are so funny. amazing. And I, yeah. so we we hired him to help us uh, do some. We had him uh, film an event we did. I remember in uh, Laguna Beach mm-hmm. at the montage, right? Yes. Um, so I, I was asked. I was trying to get to know him because he was a true creative, right? And I was trying to understand. You know, he made his living to it, and he made he had a good, decent amount of money. You know, he had his own. He had um, what was it called? Um, Up and Adam. 
He w- he had it was on like the, his own show kind of. It, yeah, but like, it was before a sub- that was cool. Yeah, yeah, but it was just, no no no. Or, he was part of the CBS uh, morning show that oh, came on every that. morning at five a.m. That's crazy. And he had a little like five minutes called Up and Adam, and I don't uh-huh. know how many years that ran, huh. where it was just a little skit that he yeah. did to try. I to remember make, he was super creative. Yeah. and really funny. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I was asking him, how do you be, how are you creative when you don't feel like being creative? Mm -hmm. Right. And he said, because I've done it for so long, I don't, I can just basically be creative. He didn't know how, he didn't really express it any better than that, but I got what he was saying. So what he was saying is essentially he was operating on a level of, yes, go ahead and say it. It was um, unconscious competence. Right. So that, that's it. Cruising altitude in a way. Right. And so that's mm-hmm. what that – and that's what for me was a huge lesson because what he was saying is he can churn out the same level of you know content or product when he's feeling passionate as when he's not feeling passionate. But why? Because he had had the discipline for so he long put in the and time. because he had worked on it. Right. And that's, that's how I was thinking about it too when you said that is that you sort of earn your way up to being able to flip that switch – and you you can't just like decide to do that without building on your experience and right. working on it and having the discipline. In this modern age of bullshit, which is a lot of bullshit, and I'll tell you, you're just, gonna owe Zoe so many dollars. She's not listening. I know. Okay, you but she's she know, yeah, she's probably at the door with little hashtags exactly. and a little piece of Zoe paper marking up. Like right now, I'm into her for like twenty bucks for saying bad words. <laughs> but when I see people call themselves coaches, and really are they all they are is truly mediocre trainers, and yeah. I think well, obviously that's gonna you know rub me the wrong way. Because Julie and I have been doing this for so long because we've done between the two of us. It's really unknown how many coaching calls we've done. Hundreds of thousands. Mm-hmm. You know, if the rule is that you have to have done something 10,000 times before you're an expert. Well, I don't even know what we are. We're something beyond that. Right. Yeah. And when I see somebody else. OK, so th- there's that. And then I see somebody that basically is a, you know, they get a coaching you know degree or certification or some Mickey Mouse. And all of a sudden they're trying to position themselves in the marketplace against somebody like Julie and I. And there's, you know, there's not. In different um, fields, there's people that are true experts. But if you're, as a consumer, don't know how to discern a true expert from a faker, uh, then you're basically going to start listening to really bad advice. And you're going to not only spend money with them, but you're also probably going to lose the direction you otherwise would have had a had if you'd listened to somebody that actually what the hell they're talking about. And Julie, again, last week on the podcast, you talked about if you uh, land a plane or and you come in and just to talk about that. Yeah, um, it's not in front of me the exact rule, but the aviation industry has this rule. I think it's called the 60 to 1 rule, where if you're off by just one degree, you basically are of your course, you know, that you're navigating, that you're actually like almost 100 feet off. So if you keep flying the plane at that one degree off, you become miles and miles away from your actual target. Right. Which shows you that one degree really matters, you know. And we, we even talk about, you know, what's the difference between 211 and 212 degrees? One degree more makes the pot boil. So you have to be careful about getting off course and steering yourself back on, even on the days where you don't feel like doing it. And I'll tell you what else that I was thinking. Um, when you have those those moments or flashes of passion where it's like, God, I was really on fire today, right? You don't really have as many of those without having the discipline of doing it when you don't feel like doing it or when you don't want to do it. You're helping. So it, it doesn't happen unless like, like I'll have coaching clients say, oh, I took three listings last week, but they were all past clients or whatever. Well, you know what? You got that business because you did a kick-ass job at some point. You wouldn't have had that had you not done the work. Well, 
that is exactly what I'm observing from the questions I've been getting. A lot of people have never, uh, or maybe it's been so long ago, mm -hmm. you use music as your reference point. Yeah. But a lot of people have never actually done anything long enough to truly basically get to that yeah. unconscious competence They're phase. the ones that struggle the most. And because they don't know, if, uh, they don't know what that feels like. They don't know the experience they have to go through to experience that. They see people occasionally that have that, and they're thinking that somehow they're they can fake the, you know, con the world basically to convince the world that they have it. And then sometimes in the midst of conning it, they're going to somehow obtain it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, the work and, and, around the easy button. Right. That, you know. Exactly. And I think that what's happened actually is that the people that are trying to sell them the shiny nickels and the easy buttons, they themselves are in pursuit of the same thing, operating on the false premise that they can fake their way yeah. to somehow re receiving some or obtaining some level of unconscious competence. Well, and they can't. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think easier to fake it now because of all the social media stuff and yep. all the influencer stuff. And yep. you, you can like buy an image package to make yourself look however you want. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And you can put filters and all kinds of different things to fake it. And it, well, here's what I'm encouraged by, though. Mm -hmm. I'm going to slightly pivot. Sure. I'm going to get off by one degree here. Well, a sense of observing <laughs> Clubhouse and all the rest of that. And that's a really cool app that Julie and I are going to start participating on. But I do notice that there seems to be a real boiling up, an intolerance for fake experts. Mm -hmm. Because I'm listening to some of these big clubhouses where they're, they're in little rooms, basically. And this is an audio-only thing. And you'll see these, like, you can kind of scan their profile. You know, I shouldn't say this, but you can scan people's profiles and you can see essentially these, you know, people will call themselves coaches and experts and blah, 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 blah. But when you read their profiles, if it's all touchy-feely, impossible to pin down what the hell they're saying type words, yeah. they're fakers. Oh, I'm in pursuit of my mission and I want the world to hear my voice and my unique presence and the, what the hell are you saying? Right, right. I mean, it's never ending. It's just like this, it's a circular cycle of BS that's being regurgitated constantly. But if you're not discerning, if you don't have uh, the correct filters in place, you're going to say, oh my gosh, not only am I supposed to listen to this person, but evidently that's how I'm supposed to present myself to the world. Yeah, well, it's easy to believe. And I think that... Um, it's not just like from the 20 somethings. I think it's, you know, like I was, I listened to part of this. Maybe I've got some of this. Let me just, yeah. just so I don't yeah. forget, right? Yeah, Cause yeah. I haven't had enough caffeine today. I think actually I'm finding the millennials are the least tolerant yeah, for they, the bullshit. Yes. And they're the they're people, more dialed in. It's the people our age, uh, yeah. probably, yeah, I don't know, maybe 35 up to our age. Mm -hmm. that are most susceptible to it. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Because millennials grew up with it and they don't, mm. they know it's crap. I mean, like I have people routinely, mm -hmm. how many, who uses Facebook? <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Facebook is not used by millennials. They're using other things like, mm -hmm. you know, Clubhouse or Instagram, Instagram. Or, or whatever's next because mm -hmm. they know that stuff's not real. They know yeah. it's fake. But p older people who have not grown up with it, who it's a little bit yeah. clunky to learn the, the you know ways around the social networking and all the sure. things that those are the people that actually I think are most mm -hmm. susceptible to believing that it. Makes sense. Yeah, it's weird though. Well, it's counterintuitive because you think mm -hmm. so. You know, the millennials can see it. I know this because the millennials say it to me. Yeah. When, when we are uh, when we talk about what the v real value, you know, basically build a mm -hmm. you know prospecting based marketing enhanced business, which mm -hmm. is the exact opposite of what everyone else says. Mm -hmm. Everybody else is going to tell you oh, lead with marketing, lead with social networking. Here's your blow your money and see how it goes. You know, I did get an email actually. I was thinking about reading it and making fun of it. Um, I sent it to you. A long email from supposed some guru in real estate mm. who was giving mm. you your list of your top 10 things you're supposed to do this year. Oh. It was yeah. hilarious. <laughs> we should read it. Yes, if you can find it. You can find it faster than I can. But I can find it. But the, um, my point being is I think yeah. millennials actually are less easily duped 
yeah. than older people. Their BSometers are more dialed in. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so what's the moral of the story here? It's okay to think about passion. If you got passion about other things, that doesn't mean that you don't have to do that. But don't search that out as your primary focus because it's fleeting in the first place. It's it unrealistic to expect it all the time every day. Okay, let's not say her name okay. because she's probably the sweetest person ever and I'll feel bad, sort of. But mm-hmm. let's do read these points, okay? So I'm going to read these. I'm going to read these to you guys, and then we're going to talk about it. I I, I probably I won't be able to read all of them truthfully. Yeah, it's okay. I'll start to you know taste the coke in the back of my voice that I just drank 20 minutes ago. All right, uh, 12 essential ways to grow your real estate business, and this is oh, it's a multi-parter. Mm-hmm. Okay, so <laughs> take the path that will lead you to achieve your online presence goals, build your connections, and your overall increase your real estate business. Point number one, Julie. First of all, the the path to achieve your online presence. How about the path to achieve maximum oh, appointments? Julie. But okay, okay, I'll, Julie, I'll play read along. read point number one. <sighs> Have a strategic and authentic branded blog. WordPress works the best. Okay, so a new agent's reading this, or an agent that's our age that basically doesn't want to let themselves yeah. become irrelevant. Oh, crap, I need to get an authentic branded blog. No, What does I that need, even mean? That means nothing. Those are just okay. some words just that checking. sound good. You tack the word authentic on the beginning of anything. It all sounds this, more authentic. <laughs> it's cool. Exactly. All of a sudden, it's not supposed to be us. Oh, I get the next one. Properly place and utilize organic SEO tags and hashtags within your post. Okay, I'm going to give you guys a little, we're going to have a little uh, come to Jesus session with with regards to SEO. The probability, especially if you're following her first piece of advice, which is to have an authentically branded blog, whatever that means. The second piece of advice telling you to focus on SEO. Remember, you're a new agent. You're trying to make money. You think this is what you're supposed to be doing. The probability of you getting any kind of search placement in uh, Google, um, you know, nowadays with any keyword that will ever bring you anything that remotely resembles a real estate lead is zero. That war was fought and won ages ago. So don't believe for a second. And if you're thinking, well, Tim, you don't know what you're talking about. We can do YouTube videos. No, you can't. The YouTube train has long since sailed as well. So what you're seeing is an oversaturation on the you know social channels for, uh, for content. But with regards to like SEO and Google, the big boys have those locked up. You go and search your keywords right now. Go search you know, whatever your market is, it, like New Albany, Ohio, uh, real estate, homes for sale. You then look, if you have any sort of expertise with regards to SEO, look how uh, essentially credible and look at the page rank of those different websites. You really think you're going to be able to develop a new website in a billion years and ever appear on the first page of any Google search? And if you can't with any of your keywords, you can't even probably place on uh, Google on the under your own name. You know, Tim and Julie Harris, by the way, is a URL that we bought in 1996. So we basically when they first started selling URLs. So ours is an ancient URL. And so ours always appears on the first page for our our search name. But But, you can't turn back time. No. But if you were to put your name, if you just were trying to build your authentically branded blog and you were to put that, uh, you know, you're going to do your SEO and you're going to obviously you don't know what the hell you're doing. So you're going to hire someone to do it. Oh, so you're spending money on Mm -hmm. Hopium. Um, You're still never going to make it on page one. You're just not. And here's a little litmus test for those of you who are about to whip out your credit cards to pay someone to SEO your website. Ask them how long it's going to take for you to appear on page one for your particular keywords. And if you can't get them to put it in writing that you're not uh, a search result one through 10, tell them to give you all your money back. And they won't Mm -hmm. do it. None of them will do it. Nope. Because they're selling hopium. That and more, you'll have to spend more on different widgets and more time on it. And we'll try this and try that. And you'll be really frustrated. Oh, we're not done. 
Point number three is Julie. Yes, integrate your social media networks into your blog. Oh boy. Okay. I I don't. That means I have to get social media networks now. I'm making content. Okay. Yep. Who's po- going to make the content? Oh, oh no. Oh. Because point number four: post to your blog at least two to three times a week, in order to continue to climb the search engines and ensure that they are sharing across your integrated social networks. Okay. Now I'm having to, as a new agent or returning agent, yep. believe that I'm supposed to basically not just be figuring out how to become a copywriter and write content for yep. my website, mm-hmm. but now I'm supposed to be spending a whole bunch of time on different social networking yep. building something for the sake of something posting all the time for the sake of something that'll never happen right right massive waste of time huge waste of time and this is what we're this is the reason julie and i will beat on forever the idea that you're supposed to have a marketing-based business that's prospecting enhanced you could do this stuff but do you have enough staying power financially do you can you really wait it out here's a little fun statistic for you forgive me if i trip on some of the numbers but internet lead generation, which is in essence what she's telling you to do, is um, the least effective. It, you'll generate the least motivated leads. And there's different reports that are out there, but you guys can, again, Google this. On average, if you generate an internet lead, on average, those internet leads will not be transacting for an average of 18 months. And it's less than two, it's like two or 3%. So if you generate 100 internet leads, two or 3% of those in 18 months will transact. What not makes, even necessarily with you. Definitely not with you. I mean, what's the probability? If you have a hundred people in your list, that you're going to find the two or three that are going to transact with you in two or in yeah, eighteen months. You even months. know who they are. It, well, again, let's just say you're doing an incredibly good job. You're calling and you're beating on them. What makes you think that they're going to choose to do business with you? They're they're in a hundred different people's drip uh, campaigns. Well, all walk- three of them might go build. <laughs> totally. Or all three of them have agents that are friends or aunts or uncles. So the idea of investing in what an old internet marketing term called long tail leads like this is crazy because you don't have the financial staying power. Thus, the reason the average tenure of an agent in the real estate industry is uh, has been for years, two years. But now we, Julie and I believe it's around 11 months because they're following bad advice and it's not putting them in a place yeah. to help people and make money quick enough and they're failing out of the industry. Now, let me clarify. This stuff is different than... You posting a really beautiful video of your new listing. Yes. That's different. It's different than you posting a wanted video to help your buyers who you can't find anything, you know, for them to buy. Well, totally different. It's sort of different, Julie. I don't agree that it's totally different. I'm saying you have, that's not for the sake of lead generation. It's for the the sake of somebody, you know, you're going to interview for a listing. They want to see that you're doing something. Right, exactly. Something real. What she's describing now is what you're going to have to, in essence, do to placate your seller. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to do home selling theater a little bit so that seller feels like you're actually, you know, doing something other than what you're really doing, which is pricing it right. Throwing it in the MLS. And putting it in the MLS, right? In this market, guys, you priced it right, you put well, you, hell, you price it wrong. You put it in the MLS, yeah. and a lot of markets is going to sell it sell itself. Okay, so let's since you brought that up, yeah, I have a question for you. Act okay. like you don't know the answer. All right, okay, because we've gotten we've had okay. interesting conversations with listeners about this before. Yeah, does marketing sell houses? Well, I don't know. It seems like it should. Everyone says it does. Everybody says it does. I, I have to spend lots of money every month to try and make it work. So you, so you, not Julie Harris, but somebody else, yeah. uh, you believe that basically having a listing on a whole bunch of different websites, does it actually uh, result in the house selling faster for more money with least hassle to the seller? Does it actually have any positive result? I think a lot of people believe it does, but uh, it's been proven. I, that's me. Again. You just Sorry. blew it. I Sorry. knew you couldn't run it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't be asked the answer. Yeah, because the, the answer is no. There's no. never okay, guys. There's a big, and I think that's true in any kind of market. I believe this has been tested in sellers' markets and buyers' markets, and 
different it, price ranges. Well, if you don't have a centralized MLS, if you were selling, say, for example, private jets or hell, it doesn't even matter, you would definitely want to probably do some social, you would want to market sure. it in a different way. Mm -hmm. But in, in, in real estate, you're going to have to realize that the MLS does the bulk of the lifting, definitely. heavy lifting for you. Mm -hmm. um, and it always will. So the key to selling real estate, guys, is not marketing the property. Marketing the property does not do anything other than placate the seller and make you feel good because you feel like it's a listing tool. That's it. You're walking into the seller's house. You're showing all the stuff you're going to do. The seller, you know, they're not necessarily informed to realize it's all about price, condition, location. And I know some of you are mad that I'm saying this because you invest so much money in your, um, you know, your, frankly, money period to you know, get your listing sold. But the reality of it is, is what you're doing is you're placating the seller. That listing would sell probably in the exact amount, of, same amount of time for the exact same price if all you did basically was the very basics of what you're supposed to do as a yeah. listing agent. All the rest of the stuff you're doing is essentially, you know, listing theater for the sake of placating the seller and hypothetically, and it does, this is relevant, attracting other sellers. Yeah. You have to have decent pictures and a decent description. For sure. You know, you, you can't just throw up some iPhone pictures and no. expect everybody to show it. Yeah, and you so. do have to do a fantastic job representing the seller. But I'm asking all of you to challenge your, you know, your beliefs that somehow that's having a positive effect on the sellability of the property. Because if all you did was put it in the MLS, you would get the same result. Assuming it's priced right. And that's true, by the way, in a buyer's market too. Mm -hmm. You know, not just in a hot seller's market. So again, I know Julie and I are challenging a lot of your belief structures about marketing in particular. Um, no, but it should also give them a great amount of relief that they don't have to do all this big long list of this marketing stuff in order to get their listing sold. And even to, you shouldn't believe that you're going to get more money for your seller because it's not true. It's definitely not true. Yeah. And so it, over, exposing your listings on more websites does not increase the sale price to the seller, does not decrease the days on the market to the seller, no. but it does make you as an agent hypothetically in the position to attract more sellers. And that's the reason you do the marketing. You don't do the marketing for this, to benefit the seller necessarily, to benefit them in the sake of placating their ego, especially on more expensive houses. But really what it is, it's proving to the marketplace that you're not just putting it in the MLS and waiting yeah, for another agent to sell it. Right? Yeah, that's what it is. You know, but see it for what it is. Right. Well, that's what we're here for. <laughs> right. <laughs> Being honest, right? All right. Yeah. Point number, uh, let's just call this point number five, I think. Include topics of interest such as local community events. Include short videos, 30 seconds and two minutes, how tos. All right. So now she's got you doing a blog. Now she's got you basically doing social media. Now she's got you doing videos. Doesn't all this sound familiar, guys? And yet, not any of her points so far was anything even remotely describing having a proactive conversation for the sake of generating a listing lead uh, or generating a, in a listing for yourself. So far, all of this crap is passive and it's based on hopium. Point number uh, six or seven, Julie? Keep everyone in the loop with the one, two, three <laughs> touch system, website, blog, social media. Consider this part of your contact management. Now, before you start touching people, realize in some states that's, you know, you, you have to keep your <laughs> social distancing. COVID. Yeah, it's against COVID. Oh, hold on. She's talking about a drip, drip campaign. System. Exactly. Yes. Now, here's let's talk about that. There, I don't remember who this was. He was on our podcast maybe five or six years ago. And we were talking about drip campaigns. And this guy was a vendor for, he, he was a partner at a company that sold CRMs. And the biggest selling proposition of their CRM was their drip campaign. Mm -hmm. And I had done some homework ahead of time, done a whole bunch of research on this. And I found numerous articles, some of them scholarly, that have proven that long-term drip uh, campaigns of any variety are a complete waste of time. 
And one of them was like done by Harvard Business School. And it was studying like the insurance industry. And it was studying all these different drip campaigns that were done across different industries, done at differing levels. Just, Just you guys get the gist of it. And drip campaigns were proven to be utter and complete wastes of time. Now, let's go back to this first point of these passive lead generation plans that these people create for you. You're supposed to do a bunch of stuff that's not directly going to lead to a lead. It's hopium based, maybe one day, someday, hopefully. And then when you do generate leads, then what they're having you do is torture these people even more by dripping on them. And you think, and you actually believe, and you shouldn't, that that's somehow magically uh, by some sort of miracle of the real estate gods. And no, we do not believe in real estate gods. We have gotten comments about that before for saying that. There are no real estate gods. It's a saying, It's guys. a saying. It's something a saying. Julie thought of. <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're real estate god agnostic. But so when you're, when you're basically thinking about all this stuff, you run this through your own sort of common sense-o-meter. And does it really make sense to you that any of this stuff would work better than it being a proactive lead generator? Of course not. This, why do you find this attractive, listeners? You find it attractive because it doesn't require any skill. No and conflict. Be, no so conflict. Picking up the phone and talking into it. If this is, I should have said, ways to avoid fear and rejection, point one. Yeah. Ways to avoid it. All you're doing is procrastinating, if not killing your potential success in this industry, if you do crap well, like and this. This is actually more damaging than that because... When you spend so much time figuring it out or worse, hiring somebody to figure it out for you. There's a punchline coming on, coming up. I think you've just stepped on it. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I think it's damaging for agents uh, mentally and certainly financially because they can start to believe that it's just because they haven't done enough or there's something wrong with them or, you know, I, I think they're believing in the wrong thing. Okay. Speaking of which, Mrs. Harris, oh, I'm sorry, Jules, read <laughs> the next point. She doesn't want to be calling um, Mrs. Harris anymore. It's fine. It's important. Oh, right. It's important to utilize the map tracking and stats. These reports will provide you with feedback on what type of articles your readers get the most out of. Okay. What? Who cares? Yeah. Honestly. What are we what? trying to do here? Are, are all of a sudden now I'm, okay, hold on. Oh, I love the next one. No, no. You can't read it yet. Okay. This one's too good to let go. Okay. Let's, let's punch this one around a bit. All right, so now somebody just gets into the business. Mm-hmm. Let's say before they were a firefighter. I had an email yesterday from yeah. a guy that drives. He's um, He was very well written, and I asked him what he did because I thought for sure he was going to tell me something almost scholarly, mm-hmm. and he works in coal mines. This guy, huh. he texted me. That's interesting. And he was getting his license, and mm-hmm. he, he was actually, he drives the huge trucks yeah. out of the coal mines. That's what he did. Mm-hmm. And he's been listening to our podcast while he was driving That's his coal truck. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. I know. I love it. So, but, so he's listening to this. Uh-huh. He's reading this article. He's, yeah. you know, maybe discovering more people that are sort of beating this same BS drum. Yeah. And he believes that's what he's supposed to do. So here he goes, basically hardworking, smart, full of potential and ambition, and he starts following this path. And sure enough, this crap doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And then basically he sort of failed out of the real estate business because he ran out of money. And God forbid he quit his job. And now right. his family's experiencing financial hardship. Mm-hmm. And here's what – this is the insidious part of this garbage. Yeah. It's because he now thinks he's the failure. That was my point. Yes. Yes. Is that it's so damaging that way. And it's not your fault. It's absolutely not your fault. It's the fault of, you know, believing in stuff that just doesn't work. And you weren't discerning enough. That's a nice way of saying you weren't experienced enough to know what to listen to. And if, again, you step into the industry and you're beaten over the head constantly with this type of messaging. And most of our competitors, they say this exact stuff. You got to work on your brand and your logo. And we make fun of it. And we're trying to be snarky about it because we're trying to make a point. 
This stuff is all being sold by stuff that are people that are just trying to sell you stuff. It's not stuff that necessarily works. And Julie gets to talk about the next point. Yeah. I mean, there's not even any detail if you wanted to do it's It's like not a it's, single it's conversation crap. so far about contacting a seller. In any way. About learning how to solve somebody's problem. Yeah. About actually making it. This this is all about stuff. About finding somebody who actually wants to work with you. This yeah. is the, this is the, the a, fluff. a roadmap to someone who wants to be famous, not someone who wants to be rich. That's right. That's what it's this is. It's all about exposure. Right. Okay. International exposure. Speaking of which. Increase your business nationally and internationally. I don't know why agents would necessarily even want to do that by connecting with those outside your areas covered. Okay, so what? <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, shall we continue? I don't know. Yes, let's continue. Just We're just worse. not going to mention your name, okay? Oh, this is this is only yeah. part one, by the way. See, part two is coming soon. Maybe we'll make fun of that one too. Yeah. All right, I'll read the next one. The more blog posting, hold on, I'm going to have to start doing this a lot evidently, and the more you will receive recognition from being your number one go-to agent. Your area's number one go-to agent. Hold on. So you're telling me, mm-hmm. Mrs. Guru here, that the longer and the more of this kind of stuff that I churn out, then eventually the market is somehow magically and mystically. And now, remember, Julie, mm-hmm. not once did I sell a house. No. No. But I'm if you just, do this enough, you'll be seen as the number one go-to agent. Somehow. Somehow. Magically. Yes. That's a complete lie. That is complete and utter BS. Yeah. You will not. The people that are going to be the ones that dominate the markets, the ones that dominate the markets now, are the ones that are getting the listings. The reason that they're getting the listings isn't because they're doing this or they didn't originally do this. It's because they earned the trust and they earned the right to basically be this choice of the seller. 99.9% of that time, it came from direct proactive contact. It didn't come from this passive stuff. You guys have got to see this for what it is. And if you don't, chances are you're going to needlessly struggle. And when you do essentially hit a financial wall and you fail out of the business, you're going to blame yourself. You're going to blame yourself, whereas the reality of it is you're just essentially following the wrong GPS coordinates. Yes. The next point actually is a rehash of a previous point. Build and increase your online presence through blogging and social media multiple times during the week and at the time when most of your connections are online. Okay. I say to that, whatever. Next point, don't just leave it up to MLS, Zillow, and Trulia to bring your buyers, sellers, and investors. By posting a wide variety of articles, you're adding style to your brand. Oh, brother. So, again, post by posting a wide variety of articles. In other words, what she's trying to convince you of is that you can do something passively, and all these buyers, sellers, and investors are magically going to find you because you figured out how to be a SEO guru, and your content is so damn good that it's somehow displacing all the content that's been being created for the last decade plus of all the people that have essentially got high page rank, somehow magically and mystically, you're, you're, mis, mystically? mystically, mystically, thank you. <laughs> How did I not know Using that word? Using unicorn tears and pixie dust. Exactly. That somehow magically your business is all going to align and you're going to be this famous real estate guru. Oh, not just that. Sorry. You're going to be your area's number one go-to expert. And you know what you're going to do after that? I promise you, you're going to become a real estate coach. Of course. That's the path. Okay. Okay. Finally. You want to get the last point? Oh, you want this one. Set yourself apart from the rest with a focus on niche marketing, showing off your unique selling proposition. I don't even know what that sentence means. Okay. So here's how you get buyers and sellers to call you. You have what they want to buy or sell. You have the listing and the buyers will all call you and sellers will as well after they see your sold sign. You have the catnip that somebody wants. Okay. Here's the punchline. Ready? And do not read her name. I'm not. Okay. Here's what she does for a living. You guys want to guess? Real estate blogger, social media expert. You guys get it? Mm-hmm. This was a sales pitch of someone positioning themselves to be an expert who probably has never sold real estate before. And again, she's probably a really nice, sweet, 
Honestly, probably. she's probably, probably a really good person, but she doesn't know any better herself because she's never learned. And she took some internet marketing class. And she, again, I'm not in any way saying she's not offering something that might be valid to somebody at some point, somewhere, maybe. Yeah, I know. And a lot of these guys that come off like that also are selling the same exact quote product to insurance agents, sure. to other salespeople. Not because they actually sold in that industry, but because they've got a package of stuff that sounds good. And then, I, I mean, I see this popping around EXP. There's all these guys that have these hobby businesses, basically, where they're selling people how to generate Facebook leads and all this other stuff. And all their time is spent essentially, you know, this is what you do. This is how you do it. This is the words you write. This is all the things you write. This is the things you do. But nobody's talking about, and they'll talk about the leads you generate, but no one's talking about their net profit. Nobody's talking about the actual output. What's the actual output? What's the point? Why are you doing this business? What, what are you really trying to create? You know, this is, these are the thoughts that you need to really truly have. That's the reason Julie and I say, and again, this is controversial, and I, I have no idea why, but it is. When, you, when asked what your product is when you're a real estate practitioner, the answer is, to, lessening, to a lesser degree to what the real answer is, happy customers, sold houses, you know, all these types of touchy-feely, woo-woo type things. All those things are part of it, but what your real product is, what you need to, in order to stay in business is profit. Why does nobody talk about that, Julie? Because it requires you to actually know how to get to that profit. Because it requires holding Work. the people that you're hiring to perform services yeah. for you accountable, well, and which none of them will be allowing you to do right. ever. And so you see, that's another problem with this type of thing is that how would you ever hold somebody accountable to that, right? And when you guys try... You know, I've been working with your company with my SEO for four months, and I haven't gotten a single lead from that. What do those people tell you? Do it longer. You haven't been doing it long enough. Yep, You're not having the right type of content. You're not spending enough money. You need to spend more money. Yeah, and, and how would uh, the average agent or even human being know no. the difference? There's well, no way of holding somebody accountable to that. But how would they know? Like, for example, when you get that prospecting call and maybe, you know, from Zillow or whatever, and Zillow is trying to sell you leads, and for $500, they're going to sell you I don't know how many leads. And then you're going to, as a new agent, say, well, crap, I've got, you know, two leads now, and I can spend $500 and get you know, 300 leads. Some of you guys listening right now are looking for Zillow's phone number to call just because. Yeah. But what you don't realize is leads have no value. You think the most important thing in your real estate business, what everyone must have is leads. That is true. But not all, not all leads are the same, not even close to being the same. And if you think buying a bunch of unmotivated buyer leads is somehow going to get you to the end zone to profitability, you are stone cold wrong. And again, these are the lies that are perpetuated in the industry. And I unfortunately do believe at this point that a lot of the people that are perpetuating these, you know, tall tales don't realize, don't either realize what they're telling you isn't true or they do, but because they've been saying it for so long, they're fearful of actually saying anything different for the, it'll invalidate them as professionals because then they'll have to admit that they were giving you a bunch of BS for the past however or many years. Or they just don't care because they know you're probably not going to be around in 18 months anyway, and they have a nice fresh right. batch of new licensees that will do the same thing you did. I Honestly, that probably is the gist of it. Yeah. I, I don't think it's possible for someone to sell the type of Mickey Mouse that we just sold, uh, sold told you guys about and not know after maybe a year of doing no. it that what you're selling is basically smoke and mirrors. No, and I, I think a lot of the people in that space that are not uh, real estate salespeople, I think that they can get wound up in number of impressions and number of clicks and, and like that's some kind of currency versus actual transactions. Right. You know, it's, a, it's different. It, and that's why they call it impressions. And so guys, here's, I'll give you a little, you know, 
if you were to go into a top producer's office, right, and hopefully they're coached by you know Joe and I or someone in our organization, and you were to, and they had dry erase boards on the wall, and they're going to have all their listings because they're following the rules and Harris rules, and they're going to have all their listings up on a dry erase board, and they're going to you know have sourced where the listing came from, the whole thing, just exactly like we lay it out. And you're going to then look to see where the source of the business was. If they're doing what we told them to do, you're going to see that maybe like the answer is, by the way, it's never the social networking or stuff like that. It's That's something that may have enhanced the probability of that, some, that person uh, contacting you. But at the end of the day, it's almost always from one of the main sources of business. And I'll, let's break this down for them, okay? Mm-hmm. We said this last week too, and, and it had resonated with a lot of you. Um, so if you want to, you can actually explain it. You do it really well. Well, you mean where sources of business? Yeah, let's use the roofer, use a roofer as an example. Okay. Well, so let's say that you need a roofer and you just moved to town. You're trying to figure out, you know, you've got this leak. You can't wait for the next storm to get this fixed. So you go through a decision tree, right? The first thing people have studied this endlessly and the reports are always the same. The statistics are always the same. Okay. So the first thing that you do when you need a service provider, whether that's a roofer or a veterinarian to take care of your dog, is the first thing you say is, who do I already know? Okay. And that's that's the end all and be all for like something like 88% of the time. Let's make this okay? personal just so they sure. can. So when we moved to Puerto Rico, we only knew a handful of people. And we knew absolutely no service providers, and, and we needed a yeah. lot of stuff. <laughs> the All house, the, <laughs> the house we ended up buying, which we love, um, is a, needed a generator. And how do we know? Uh, we knew it needed a generator. Uh, and then, like a week after moving out, essentially we were without electric. Moving in, with, we were without yeah. electricity. Thank you, earthquakes. Yeah. yeah, earthquakes knocked the electricity off the entire island. So no air conditioning, no electric, no nothing, no internet. No by hot the way. water. No, no hot water. You right. get nothing. <laughs> you, you get nothing, and you say thank you. Yeah. Right. So um, then we figured out, well, we need a generator. Well, we didn't know anybody that sold generators. So what did Julie then do? We went to ask trusted friends or advisors, right? Who do you know is a generator salesperson? And that's how we found our generator guy. Mm -hmm. In Puerto Rico, there's this kick-ass site called, if you guys are listening in Puerto Rico, which I know hundreds of you are now, um, Dorado Damas. And it's basically, you have to be a a woman to belong to this site. Very sexist, by the way. Well, you had caballeros too. Yeah, but still, I can't join them. It's but ev- fair. right, every so every time Julie wants yeah. to have a you know looking for a service provider and advice on you know, whatever, she just goes and posts a it on trusted Domus. friend or advisor. That's, that's what she's that's doing. Part two. So first, who do I know? Okay, I don't know anybody. Step two, I'm going to ask a trusted friend or advisor. It's not until you've run through that decision tree because probably you either a already know somebody or you get a great referral from a trusted friend or advisor. Only after that, and only three to four percent of the time, do people actually respond to any kind of advertising. Okay? That's right. And, and, and so you guys spend all of your time and effort on that four percent, when in fact picking up the phone and making your connections from your, you know, a lot of uh, a core source of business for all of you should be your database, your past clients, your centers of influence. Always expanding that for your entire career, and then enhanced by other spokes on the wheel. So our top producing coaching clients have not just one source, okay? They didn't just sign up for some, you know, SEO company and and hang their hat on that. They have a great database who they talk to. They have two or three other core sources, and it's a mixture between people they know and they don't know. Okay, so defining and drilling down what you just said. Sure. 
Uh, proactively, uh, proactive, you know, lead generation, yes. proactive, prospecting based, first, marketing enhanced. Correct. That's what she's describing. Leading with actual, honest to God conversations. Right. And so when you're asking us for advice and what you should be doing in your real estate business, I always say read the book, Harris yeah. Rules. But the other thing I'm always going to challenge you to do is do the things you're, you'd want to do the least first. And that's learning how to be a proactive lead generator. But many of you don't do that. Maybe you've never come in exposure to us, or maybe you have, you just didn't like what we said which is probably, you know, Could often be. the case. And then you're going to be believing and, you know, some guru know-it-all and he's going to tell you some fairy tale and you're going to believe you can somehow magically buy all your business through all these different marketing sources and all the rest of it. And you drip on them long enough. And what are they all trying to do? They're trying to placate your fear of ever experiencing rejection. Yeah, that's they, what they know you want the easy button. They're trying. They're playing into your weakness. That's what they're doing. And guess what, guys? We would make, Julie and I, a crap ton more money if we did the yeah. same thing, truthfully. We just sell them leads. And but seriously, I mean, for every yeah. one person that was willing to do the real work in real estate, uh, there's, you know, easily a hundred that want to just fake it. So if we, re- if, <laughs> we would be, well, significantly wealthier if we were to do what all of our competitors do and just sell you guys hopium. But we won't. We'll never will. And that's probably the reason we've been in the business for two decades. Yeah. You know, well, coaching agents. You know, often agents will ask us, how was it that you guys sold 103 houses your first year? It's a very simple answer. We talked to a lot of people. It, we it, talked to more people than the average agent did. But talked as in having conversations, uh, conversations about like, buying or selling real estate. Absolutely. And we learned very early to list. I think that's another key factor. Well, we didn't wait and we yeah, didn't believe that first you, year. You, that you can't be a listing agent until you've, you know, gone through a bunch of buyers and I remember people even telling us um, you know, you have to live on the crumbs of other agents for a while. And you and I were both like, well, that's some BS. Yeah. <laughs> okay? And then, you know, we spoke with more people, people specifically who hand, had their hand up in the air saying, I have a house to sell. We connected the dots. Wait a minute. We're real estate agents. We sell real estate for a living. You have your hand in the air. You have something that you need to sell. It makes sense that you would talk with each other. And if you have any doubt that people have a craving for actual voice-to-voice conversation, Look at what Clubhouse has done. I, I you, first time you described that to me, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Audio only, and it's it's huge, right? People love having conversations. Yeah, but again, Clubhouse, from what I'm observing, and conversations mm-hmm. in general are yeah. not the same thing as basically. No, I'm not saying it's being in a, generating but. being in an environment to actually learn from people because sure. just listening to the it's it's just essentially a circular Mickey Mouse mindset. Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. Life yeah. coaches, all this garbage. That's what a lot of it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't like sounding negative. I don't because yeah. I'm not a negative person at all. No. But I don't know how else to to convey this message in such a way that we can cut through. The, you know, we only have these guys for a limited amount of time. Sure. And if there's no, everyone else is going to try to worry about your feelings first, and that's what I'm. That's the yeah, that's, that's the zeitgeist. Thing. That's the zeitgeist in society right now. Everyone needs to be validated. Nobody need nobody can say something that might even remotely offend somebody. And I don't think that's. I think that's being very condescending and disrespectful to you. So if I know something that's BS, and I don't say that it's BS, don't I? Don't I essentially? You're kind of I, full of crap. I am. I would be full of crap, and I don't deserve. Uh, the right to basically be of service to you yeah. if I'm not willing to tell you the truth. To me, it's 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 malpractice. Well, what I thought of when you said that, because I agree with that, is, you know, I had to do a video conference with Zoe's doctor. Mm. And if he had spent all of his time warm and fuzzying me and making me feel like everything's okay without diagnosing her, I was there to quickly figure out what he thought of her situation and how to get her over her sore throat and her tonsil issues. I wanted 
black and white, bullet-pointed information, okay? Now, we're friendly with that doctor, and we had a, a nice little how's it going, okay? But immediately, he cut to it and explained some things to me, and we had a, a course of action. Had he spent any more time, go, you know, trying to make everything okay? But, but your point, though. I, I, his credibility would have dropped a bit for me. And you found him because somebody else referred you to him. That's exactly right. Right. And I have referred him so many times, it's not even funny. And he basically, is the, the reason he has a great reputation is because he's earned the right to have a great reputation. That's right. And he, he has a great balance between being a nice, friendly, good human being but also being very good at doctoring. So if any of you are confused right now, here's the challenge I have for you. Go and find out, and there's a whole bunch of ways to do this, how many expireds there have been in your um, area, in your areas in your entire MOS for the last 12 months, and you will be shocked. That's number one. Number two, go get a list of for sale by owners in your marketplace for the last 12 months. You'll be shocked. Point number three, look for the notice to defaults or list pens, depending on where you are in the country. Look for the probate listings. Just those four buckets or five buckets. I want you just to research out how many sellers there are that were just waiting for you to contact them. Now, okay, it, no, hang on for a second. First of all, when you do these searches, don't do little micro searches and tell me there's no expired. Well, that's, that's the reason I true. said the whole okay, MLS. Now, here's what they, here's, even if they only come up, let's say that there's, quote, only 150. They, they get confused because... They believe that they have to have thousands of leads to get 1% to work. Mm. Even if you only had 10 expireds in the past 30 well, days, so how down, many do you need to be successful? But drill down on that, okay? So yeah. if I'm going to do a whole bunch of this passive marketing crap yeah. with hope of finding somebody that actually wants to sell their sure. house. So if I have, you know, a hundred or a thousand leads, yeah. right, you know, and I might have two or 20 or 30 people that after mm -hmm. 18 months might somehow maybe. one day do a transaction with somebody I know, or maybe right. me if I'm lucky, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm spending all this time to become an SEO content writer, video yeah. writer, all this time to writing these blog posts to, in the belief that, and to generate leads that contact me because God forbid I contact them and they, no. and I have any sense of, because it requires skill and I might get rejected. That right, right, right. I would not survive that emotion. No, I mean, not. I would literally burst into flames <laughs> if the second I heard the word anything. Yeah. Okay. No. Okay. Cause I do not yeah, want to no. learn. Definitely not. I do not want to learn that skill. It requires too much effort. It's too scary. Okay. So there's that. That's the mindset that you guys are subconsciously dealing with, right? That is what's holding you back from ever becoming anything remotely resembling a true uh, professional. So as you're going through this process, realize what you're doing is you're just trying to avoid actually learning the skills necessary to be a professional. That's all you're doing. And you're you overcomplicating it. I have to say, you know, sometimes you guys get stuck thinking you've got to be like a master scripted person to have success. I love hearing the transformation because coaching clients send me recordings of their calls. It does not take that long from, from call number one to setting appointments uh, predictably. You don't have to be perfect at it. You earn while you, you learn while you earn and earn while you That's learn. what we did. That's what we Absolutely. did our first year when we were in our early 20s, basically right out of college. But so here's the, here's the yeah. point, point I was trying to make. So if you if you're you, know, you spend all this time, all this money, all this ridiculous hopium that you're having to breathe constantly, mm -hmm. in the hopes that someday some you've not you know basically had to eat your cat because you've some you know what I'm saying two years from now you've made it. Now yeah. some of these leads, according to what somebody told you, mm -hmm. are going to start you know turning into transactions, and maybe you pick up one or two. What's the probability of you being able to stay in the game long enough to afford that? No, Tim, I'll just generate more leads and I'll make the statistics work for me. Really, that's what you're going to do? Why waste your time. Why don't you, instead of hoping and praying that one day one of the leads you generate that are incredibly unmotivated becomes something, why don't you instead call 
uh, from the multitudes of lists of people who have their hands in their air right now saying, I have a house to sell. Please help me. Why aren't you doing that, listeners? I don't get it. You only, how many leads do you need to take five listings? Totally. I mean, exactly. But do you need thousands? But it even gets more interesting. Mm -hmm. And most of these guys are blessed with the sale price. The average sale price in the United States. You know how much it was when we sold real estate, by the way? In the United States? I think it was 170000 It was like 183. Yeah. Do you know what it is now? I think it's close to 400 isn't yeah, it? It's like in the, yeah, it's like in the low to mid threes. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. And we weren't selling real estate that long ago either. Nope. So if you, if you look in terms of like your average commission check, depending on what brokerage you're at, let's just say the gross commission check on a $350,000, let's call it a $400,000 sale. Use Julie's numbers. That's 12 grand in most markets still. 12 grand. How many $12,000 commission checks do you guys have to receive for you to basically have a wonderful life and meet or exceed your real estate magic number, right? How many of houses would you have to sell like that? Many of you wouldn't even be 10, would it? At 12,000. And some of you are blessed with super high sale prices. The number's like five. Why don't you, instead of going through all this Mickey Mouse trying to believe all these charlatans and believing that somehow you're you're just they're appealing to your uh, desire to be famous and they're appealing your ego, in other words, and they're appealing to your fear of feeling the word, hearing anything that remotely resembles rejection. Yeah. Why don't you set all that crap aside and why don't you instead go to the multiple lists of sellers and just work and earn the right to be those sellers choice learn what to say learn how to overcome objections move past your innate fear of rejection everyone has that and you will always have it but it just will it'll it'll hurt in differing levels as you progress with it'll your skill less set painful. yeah but you're always going to feel it it doesn't ever go away sometimes it does you know, you are you do become numb to it after a while. That is the truth. Yeah, but you know what else happens along the way because they made that that effort is that fear and uncomfortable feeling as they make more contact and get better at their conversation and become more confident. Become more confident. It's so funny. I get these calls all the time. We hear it all the time in premier coaching. You're not going to believe. I just talked to a for sale by owner, and they were so nice, and they had me over, and we had a great conversation. I'm sure I'm going to listen next week. I had no idea. Right. Because they want to believe that it's harder than it is, right? And even somebody really learning, say, an expired script, what if you knew, and I'm here to tell you it's true, that you will have to make fewer than 20 calls with actual conversations, right? Using our scripts, Using guys. scripts. Knowing what to say and how to say not it. Not just winging it. Not your script that you wove together because, you know, two years ago you were like, you know, driving a coal truck and somehow magically you think you know how to write a sales script because you watched a couple of YouTube videos and you patched some things together from things you found on Facebook. That's not right. how you're going to get into the end zone, guys. You have to use scripts that are actually proven to work. But and what if you knew that it only t- took maybe 15 or 20 conversations. And in some cases, even less. I've had fresh agents. Conversation being a contact, a conversation is a contact with a decision-making adult. About real estate. About real estate. Yeah. I mean, we've had lots of coaching clients that they're like, you're not going to believe this. I I made five calls and I've already set my next listing appointment. So what happens is without having to be a perfectionist at the script, because you never will be perfect at the script. Mm -hmm. Nobody is. And, And you'll, you'll find your way. What happens is that fear and trepidation melts away and the excitement and confidence takes over. And that's when they get excited. That's when they start to feel, you know, maybe there's a glimmer of passion now and then because you actually have gotten it together to the point where you can predictably and duplicatably create more business for yourself, more income for yourself and your family, closer to your goals. That's when it gets really exciting. It does. But you're not going to find that if you don't take those steps. You can't skip that. 
And it, which is what all these people trying to sell you crap know that you want to skip that. Or maybe they don't because they maybe never they actually don't. sold real estate or that sold anything. And they just took some marketing, uh, you know, some crash course and how to sell marketing gimmicks to people. That could be true. And there's a lot of people out there. That's their business, selling other people how to sell, you know, Mickey Mouse. Sure. Just like there's tons of businesses out there that are teaching you guys how to be, you know, experts when you know in your heart that that's not what you are because you haven't earned the right to be an expert. You haven't done it enough to be an expert and yet you're lying to the marketplace when you say you're an expert at something, you know, or a coach when you've never actually done it. And that's the reason you feel, uh oh, here's a trendy word, uh-oh. inauthentic because you are. You haven't earned the right to be authentic well, yet. Well, seriously, you got to help the clients that might fall into somebody's lap who claims that they're number one when they haven't done anything. Mm-hmm. How crappy is that relationship going to go? Yeah, well, so look, guys, you have to earn it and it, nothing comes for free. There are no shortcuts. There are lots of people that will tell you there's shortcuts and maybe you buying their product is their shortcut, you know, because they've got you to buy whatever it is they're trying to sell. But the reality of it is in real estate and life in general, if you do want ever increasing long-term levels of success, you really just simply have to accept the fact it comes on the other side of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. Um, so anyway, I, this was, again, we started today's uh, Sunday show <laughs> you never know where with, it's gonna go. with no particular agenda, but I guess I was truthfully defragging yeah. from all the emails and the conversations I've been having sure. with people um, who are basically being loaded up with a whole bunch of misinformation yeah. and I have to deprogram them, help them see. And you know, the funny thing too, is I've never had a conversation with someone where we present our perspective on all of this, mm-hmm. where they, where they don't say anything other than. Something to the effect of, you know, I thought the same thing. Right. I, I kind of knew it. Thank I, you for validating my suspicions. Right. And and it, again, I'll, it's, the, it's easiest with the millennials because they know a lot of this stuff is sure. marky, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're talking to people that are like, I'm going to do it just because I've been doing it for so long and I don't want to yeah. give up on doing it. I've got 10 years invested in these postcards and my social media campaign. And, you know, I got five deals from it last year. And, you know, that somehow maybe paid for half of them. Okay, we're well, not paying for your time. But also the other thing it's done is it's caused you to be complacent about ever learning how to do the real work of real estate. And that's, again, I mean, we could rally against all these topics forever. But if you look at these long-term drip campaigns, why do you guys brag about how many people you have in your drip campaigns? Why does that somehow become amongst the real estate you know, zeitgeist? Why does that somehow become something of a, a, badge, of honor. a badge of honor? I've got 500 people. <laughs> you fool. I've got 5,000. Why is that something that you guys are proud of? It doesn't make sense. You should be proud of closed transactions. You should be proud of basically having helped solve someone's problem, i.e. selling or buying a house. I love hearing low numbers that are very well vetted and pre-qualified. I love having calls with agents that say, you know, I've got five really qualified, super motivated people, and here's the situation. Here's their motivation, their time frame, and the date we're going to launch that listing. Yep. I would much rather hear lower numbers that were much more highly focused than, you know, 2,000 people in your drip system. So when you have somebody ask you, when I have somebody ask me, you know, about what CRM with drip campaigns they should do, I immediately realize that they don't have any clue on how sales really actually works. You should never have a bunch of leads you're chasing. If you have a bunch of leads you're chasing, that means you're generating a bunch of unmotivated, you know, leads. And unmotivated leads are no better than just a, you know, a list of people from your neighborhood directory. Or if you know what a white pages is, right? Just drop a 14-pound white pages from 30 years ago on your desk. That in essence is what you're, you know, you think has value. It has no value. 
What you want to do quickly is accept what we're saying is true and then move past all the malarkey and just spend all your best efforts every day with the people, primarily sellers, who have their hands in their air and saying, yes, please help me. It's actually easier. Totally. Well, it's harder because you and I are the only every there those guys all these agents that are listening to us right now internationally by the way mm-hmm. they are caught in a echo chamber of of like I'm at I've envisioned this huge cave and everywhere you go you're hearing people basically say the same thing mm-hmm. and so you think it's true sure right and you and, want to believe it's true because it sounds easier and it feels better than frankly what a lot of the things we ask them to do yeah right it's the truth it's logical human behavior. <laughs> It's not their fault. No. They're human. Yeah, basically. Well, anyway, guys, I feel defragged. How about yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. Good. So what are you looking forward to this week? Oh, my goodness. Lots of fun Facebook Live sessions, I think, should be good. I've been really enjoying those. So Facebook Live, <laughs> now we sound like no. hypocrites because we're talking about Facebook. But basically for our, our members our of our pre- uh, premier coaching members and all of our coaching programs, our coaches, and Julie uh, has been enjoying doing it, so she still wants to keep doing it, is doing the daily, uh, you know, usually it runs 45 minutes to an hour of our semi-private coaching call uh, on Facebook Live. And the feedback has been wonderful, yeah, too. We're, we're handling your real questions and situations. Live. <laughs> live. And we do a lot of strategy. Face-to-face. We do some <laughs> scripting. You yep. know, we're working on the real work. What I love about those sessions is that, by and large, our premier coaching clients are not in the getting ready to get started zone. Most of them. I mean, there's a few out there, uh, but they've read the book. They're executing the plans. They have their scripts. They're, the questions are about actual business versus, you know, can you fix my mindset and tell me what to read and what to listen to? They're, you know, they're in the thick of it. And it, it's, I mean, it's awesome. I'm so proud of how many of them are having their best years ever at the beginning of this year, but rounded out a really kick-ass year last year in spite of the pandemic. So you know something? So. Here's what's interesting. Mm-hmm. And it, as I do want to round the bend because I want to go to the beach. Yes. <laughs> okay. But here's what's interesting. Mm-hmm. I know right now that after this podcast, we're going to get a fair number of people saying they really appreciated the podcast. And you guys should always tell us that because it tells us whether we're on the right or wrong path with you. Um, not that, frankly, we're going to listen to too much criticism about our content because most times people that are criticizing haven't been in the business long enough to have valid opinions. Your opinion is not the same value as someone who's been in the business for a long time in any aspect of life. So I know that is, again, against the current zeitgeist because that might hurt your feelings, but it's also true. You might have an opinion, but it's not going to be worth the same as someone who's been doing it forever. So. When we do get your feedback, the feedback, generally speaking, after this podcast, Julie, were you intentionally trying to be motivational? I, I don't think, uh, yes, always on all podcasts. But, but were you? No, not the beginning. Right. We didn't say a single raw, raw mindset, no. motivation, inspirational. We weren't reading off any old Tony Robbins quotes. No, nothing. I'm more, more motivated by factual, practical, and tactical, useful stuff. So this is the Tim and Julie thing, and I know a lot of you guys get it, is a lot of you do feel motivated after listening to our podcast and reading our book and whatnot, not because we are trying to manipulate your emotion through using NLP and other cleverly crafted scripted messaging that's designed to emotionally cause you to invoke some sort of temporary feeling. We don't do that. That's not what we'll ever do. But you're feeling motivated. Why? Because we're giving clarity to your thinking and we're giving you a sense of direction. That's the same emotion you have when you're in action trying to help sellers. That's what happens Mm -hmm. when you're in action. We are giving you 
things, thoughts that happen while you're in action. We're not trying to prime the pump and work on your mindset and try to help you find your big why and help you try to find your passion. No, you get all those emotions, emotional responses as you're in action helping people. Ultimately, all of us have the greatest sense of satisfaction and you do essentially, you'll hear these words and it might ring hollow, but as you become wealthier, hopefully you'll know what I'm saying is true. You get your greatest levels of satisfaction in life by helping people. And the more money you make and the more wealth you obtain and the more financial independence you have, the more you'll want to help people. The, it's exactly, that is the way it works. The more you have, the more you want to help. That, and so, you know, that's a gift from God, really. And our highest and truest purpose and what all of us want to do, um, I assume the only exceptions would be if you're mentally ill, you're a sociopath or something, truthfully, okay. is you want to be of service to other people. You want to help people. And so we're giving you the pathway to get that actual emotional response that you truly want, which is being of service to other people. You have to earn the right to be of service to other people. And you do that through skills and you do that through applying your skills and you do that to, uh, through applying your skills successfully so you then help one person, then thousands of people. And when you do that, guys, there's no end to the level of experience, uh, wonderful experiences you'll have in your life. Couldn't have said it better. Thank you. Yeah. So listen, guys, listen to our normally scheduled podcast Um I have to say, though, if there is one aspect of our, my work day mm-hmm. it is that I do have some occasional sparks of passion, it's doing this podcast with you. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. I mean, other than that, it's pretty damn boring. <laughs> it can be. Honestly. <laughs> and repetitive, too. But this podcast is the only yeah. thing I actually really feel, you know, yeah. when we're doing writing together, I suppose. Sure. But other than that, it's mm-hmm. it's working in the post office every day. Yeah. Well, that's why it's not called vacation. That's right. And that's reason, something else. And that's the reason our business has been successful for so long yeah. is because... It's related, I'm sure. <laughs> probably. Maybe. <laughs> what so. do you think? Yeah. <laughs> well, you guys have a fantastic day. If you want to get a hold of me for anything, text me at 512-758-0206. 512-758-0206. And yes, of course, Julie and I want to personally sponsor you at eXp Realty. So if you're looking for a sponsor, if you've not already selected one, uh, do give us a shot. Text me directly at 512-758-0206. Have a fantastic day. And we'll talk with you during our normally scheduled less, what would you call the word? Spastic <laughs> podcast tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.